Where is DLT being used today in the real world to solve real world problems? Thanks very much for joining the latest episode in our VX Insight podcast series. I'm Barnaby Nelson, and today we're going to be walking through the DLT in the real world survey that the Value Exchange and ISSA have just released to help shed light on exactly that point. Where is DLT being used to solve problems in our industry today? And how can it help propel us forward into a new era of efficiency and transformation? So we're very excited today to have the dream team of the DLT and the Real World Survey here on the podcast today. We've got Colin Parry from ISSA. Uh, We've got Erstauer from SIX and Glenn Fernandez from Euroclear to be able to talk through and add some colour to the key findings of the survey, which were released two weeks ago. So to kick us off, Colin, thanks very much for joining. Perhaps you could just walk us through the original intent and logic behind this survey and how it fits in with the ISSA work that you're leading. Thank you very much, Barney. The reason we did this was we produced a paper at the end of 2019, which was really about where we saw the challenges of really implementing a DLT solution in the security services industry wider. And what we did is we we said, well, actually, okay, the the paper sets out the, the principles and the things that we thought were best practices to adhere to. But where are people in the industry? Every day there is an announcement of another DLT uh, solution going live, going into pilot, going into prototype, etc. And what we really didn't know was what, what is actually going on behind the headlines and all the announcements. What are the industry doing on a very practical basis uh, and on a very detailed basis? And so we sent out the survey to all the ISA members, which is just over 120 members covering all areas of the value chain. And we got a fantastic survey result with over 140 responses back. A great job, I think. You frame it brilliantly in terms of trying to put the whole of the DLT project, if you like, into concrete stats and figures. And I think, as you said, the conversation now that this facilitates is properly across all markets around the world, all segments of investor or or intermediary. And so that gives us a real depth of data to be able to call on and, and hopefully to answer the questions that you mentioned in a very kind of tangible way. So jumping straight in then, I guess, in terms of the first part, what is the DLT opportunity? Glenn, perhaps you could help us kick off. It really depends on who you're speaking to. If you are a broker-dealer, what we see from the survey that their focus is very much securities financing. If you're one of the custodian banks, CSDs, you're very much focused on settlements or issuance, You know something that is close to your business, but also something that provides you the opportunity to look at it in a different way, to create new product and provide a new way of settling or servicing assets. And the second part of it is how can I reduce costs, provide services in a more efficient way, but also resilience is something that is increasingly important not only because of the regulatory focus on it, but also because of the need to provide increased resilience to the clients, especially in context of things like COVID and stress situations. And then the last area is the whole customer experience and digital transformation piece. Then typically you see DLT is clubbed up with other technologies that allow them to provide that better customer experience, low touch processing, etc. It's interesting that the survey points to the fact that the bigger the organization, the more they're looking to this for an internal perspective and that actually the customer experience is right at the back of the queue. 
Us, from your perspective, how does that reconcile? I mean, where do you find the customer fits in with the DLT build? Large organizations obviously have an incentive to use their distributed setup with this technology to make it better. But in order to deploy it then out to the customer, there are many, many things that have to come together. And what still pretty much seems to be the driver are the cryptocurrencies and not the transformation into these digital assets or into these crypto assets. And there seems to be a lot of hesitancy there. 1.6% of all the respondents have a live solution up yet. So customers are important, but the established environment is having a hard time with where do I follow the customers into areas that might not be as regulated as the area we're currently moving in. In the end, what's driving it, it's the institutional money that will move in one way or another. And that's what's really going to drive. Yeah. Colin, to that point, do you see the institutional money really being heavily on the DLT path yet? From what we saw, the investors are very interested in the crypto assets. One of the charts that you put up on the website was around what what was the asset classes most important to the firm and then most important to clients. The residents across the crypto assets, number one for both the firms providing services and the clients. Then, interestingly enough, the mutual funds were number two for the firms, but commodities was number two for the clients, and, and currency was actually number three for the client. So mm. I think there is a bit of divergence between what the firms think they should be investing in versus what the clients think they want to see. And I I was fascinated by commodities being number two after crypto. Crypto, you can absolutely see, you read quite a bit about the money managers looking at how they get exposure in a way which has got keys secure and the crypto assets safe kept. But I was surprised by commodities being the the second Mm. client. I would maybe try to also make sense of that discrepancy from a, from a sense that today when you when you look at what a DLT environment can bring is typically looked at from a perspective of the service providers. How can I set up a new environment around securities financing, collateral management, or issuance and things like that? But that's a very service provider driven point of view and if you ask the customers if they get custody of a crypto asset that is a security so a security token or if they get it through their normal custody channels it's difficult to say what is the real added benefit the benefit is definitely distinct in new asset classes like your crypto assets or commodities that today are difficult to purchase easily or the registration of ownership is more costlier and and low or paper-based, that those sort of assets start to come more into a digital world and become available and, and liquidity for those assets increases. There's certainly a logic there to say that there is a liquidity spectrum. The most highly liquid and most frequently or easily traded assets are the ones where there's the least pull on the DLT side. So a cash equity or a a listed derivative, for example. But Glenn, to your point, you know, that the other end of the scale, you have not just crypto, but you've got things like loans, private equity, but equally commodities falling into that bucket of, of much more friction in terms of coming to trade and as a result, lower liquidity and so more opportunity for disruption. The interesting part is also that in our industry, it's not easy to just come up with a new idea and say, yep, mutual funds could improve further. And that's, I think, what the industry is still grappling with, how to do that. And it makes absolutely sense that mutual funds are there. 
commodities, I was astonished too, because I'm not in that field, so I don't know too much about it. But mutual funds show us how difficult it is to bring up something new that really can change the industry and how many players you need to bring on in order to move to move forward. And so that leads us on perfectly then as to the next part, which is really about the challenges of deploying DLT. And one of the great things about the survey is that we have some very clear data in terms of spend, in terms of the operating model that people like to use to deploy DLT. But most importantly, we're starting to see a good collective body of experience in terms of 5.7% of projects now being in production. What are we starting to see in terms of where we are in the life cycle of DLT and in terms of what that means from a usage perspective? There's a couple of facts which I, I rather like, but one of which is that members of ISSA are particularly viewing DLT as a driver of opportunity. You know, the investment banks and, and brokers were very bullish on DLT overall, but they're only investing the 3% mark, whereas the custodians were investing in startups, etc., the sort of 20% mark. So people seem to see the opportunity <laughs> being there and actually are willing to put their money into smaller startups and partnerships to be able to get that from being an idea into a delivered product. And I think that's going to be a very successful model rather than trying to do everything yourself. You're exactly right. The correlation between an opportunity driver and, and how headlong people are investing into it. But equally, you know, that what's very interesting as well is how people are investing in DLT in terms of the fact that this isn't something that people seem to be building out organically, but rather that people, as you said, are they're looking outside of their organizations to to drive. I mean, Glenn, how does that fit with your view in terms of what you're seeing in the world, this this idea that people are turning primarily to investments in startups as, as a way of deploying and adopting a new technology? When I look at, on, on the one side, just 6% or so of respondents saying that they have applications in production, and on, on the other side, there is the tendency to invest in startups or through consortia. I'm wondering whether isn't there some sort of bridge in terms of adoption, in terms of the skills and resources needed? Do we have that in all of the organizations uh, sufficiently enough to be able to put out applications, gather our clients or, or partners around the table and start to create these new TLT-like ecosystems? Or is that something that we are missing and hence, you know, we go out through investing in startups or through consortia to be able to bridge that resourcing gap? Just on that point, though, I, th- I think it's a really interesting one. What's driving this idea that basically it's better to invest in a startup than it is to build out to your point, Glenn, the the resources internally and the capabilities internally. Do you think, Urs, that possibly there's also there's there's buying into a network effect here? I mean, there's certainly that factor in play, but I still believe we're at the real beginning of this whole DLT setup. Mm. And Glenn mentioned before ecosystem, and it's tremendously hard to build an ecosystem mm. because there's so many parts to it. Six decided to build a startup by themselves. ASX went a different way to say we're replacing an old system and bring in a DLT-based setup. And DTCC is looking at it. How can I improve my current processes? It points towards the challenge. Mm. It points towards getting the resources. It points towards the business case. So in on that point, one of the central axes of this whole thing is ultimately if the business case is the absolute number one obstacle to the deployment of DLT and within that prioritization of resources, basically stealing resources away from something else to be able to 
to focus on DLT. On the one hand, there's obviously a lot of business cases being written on the basis that 79% of the respondents have resources dedicated to DLT. So there's obviously a lot of people looking at this and a lot of people in the early stages of kind of exploration. But yet when you go back to that 5.7% of projects actually being in live production, that underlines the challenges that we're talking about in terms of the fact that it's just very, very hard to actually turn an idea into a live ecosystem, as you said. Behind that then, what are the other challenges? I mean, so the business case is clearly one, but what are the other challenges that are holding back that linkage between 79% and only 5% being actually live? I think the other big one was the regulation and the legal aspects of it. Actually, as you're going through the implementation, if you haven't done all the research needed, you suddenly find there's a regulatory problem or interpretation which might cause you some problems as well. So, you know, I can totally understand why that regulation comes out second. And Glenn, particularly, I mean, drilling down into that for a second on the regulatory piece, I mean, obviously the cash funding piece seems to be probably the biggest in as much as we can't realise the benefits of DLT in terms of simultaneous exchange of cash for securities or cash for tokenised securities without both of them being properly liquid and properly tokenised, I suppose. Where do you feel that we are on the, on the cash funding side? There are a number of initiatives that are uh, ongoing in the space, whether it's uh, the tokenization of cash by commercial entities or banks themselves. Banque de France has made its announcements for experimentation of their wholesale central bank digital currency, and they have invited uh, market participants to come in with their initiatives to, to experiment in delivery versus payment kind of mechanisms. So there is a whole lot of real uh, practical research that is happening. The question is, is that needed in order to create the adoption of DLT? You need to have an efficient cash payment system to, to go along with the delivery of assets. Does it need to be in a tokenized form or not? I think the truth is really you do not have uh, the live systems if you have to go and scale to an entire ecosystem like uh, Ur said. I think you need a solution that is possibly coming from uh, the likes of the central banks uh, with what they experiment. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting that 80% of the recipients said that they wanted either central bank digital currency or a link to the RTGS to enable them to, to participate. Just looking back to the business case for a second, do you think that there's still an awful lot of trial and error in terms of the fact that we, we're trying to apply the benefits of DLT to it to cases where, frankly, it's just not going to work or where we're discovering later on as we operationalize it that it's not working? I would say yes. All companies that are working with DLT, they have their budgets, they have to look at it very carefully. But on the other hand, there's also the fear behind it that you don't want to be left behind. Most probably, I wouldn't want to see the total number of what the industry, the securities industry has invested till now over the last four years into DLT. A lot of it is exploring what could be. That's what we're supposed to do, right? But it needs lots of dedication and you need your board behind you in order to say, you know what, this is a long-term thing that we're doing here. And that leads us on perfectly to the question of where are we actually seeing the rubber hit the road in terms of what is? I was surprised that over 90% of the respondents were investing in the crypto. I just thought that was a phenomenally high number to be looking at, you know, either the tokenization of, of liquid assets, as we discussed earlier, or the wallets, etc. That, that appears to be where 
a substantial amount of the money is going. How does that colour our perception of DLT in terms of areas where it's succeeding already and where it's not? Because I think one of the, for me, one of the really interesting points of the survey was that there are areas where it's where DLT is seen to be falling short, and areas where it's exceeding expectations. But I mean, perhaps there's, I mean, do you have a view on a whether those areas are legitimate in terms of where they're falling short or exceeding expectations, and b is it fair to be making that kind of call at this early stage? I think we're most probably still too early to make that call. We're seeing some promising results, be it on the securities financing side, be it on these large infrastructures that want to bring up something. But what is it? 1.6% that are really fully life. The promised land has not been reached yet. Mm. Everybody's looking at it. There must be something there. Mm. But there's so many pieces that have to fall into place from the regulatory side, from the central bank side, from the knowledge that we have to build up. But it does feel like there are quick wins starting to kind of appear whilst we, as you said, explore in the in the deeper, more complex worlds of, of kind of collateral management and the regulation. Do you feel that there are other areas delivering faster than others? Those instances where people had rolled out the solution and got it working, in the vast majority of times, people were having more success than they expected. And Going back to our earlier business case problem, one wonders if actually the delivery of superior returns that people are finding means that the business cases are being written with a overly pessimistic viewpoint about what's going to be the outcome. And only actually when you see the outcome do you see the benefits to either your clients or to the efficiency of your processes come to light there's potentially some opportunity for people to explore and look at those business cases and think, actually, if we're going to get more benefit than we, we, we expected, should we bake that into the business case and give ourselves a better business case? One of the things that strikes me is that there are several phases of the benefits, if you like. I mean, if you look at something like you know what's going on in Australia, I mean, you've got obviously first step is just the simple cost of replacement of chess. Second step is then the near-term efficiencies of everyone working on a DLT environment. And then the third, which is a bit of an unknown unknown, but it's the incremental additional benefits that are going to be spawned off that in terms of uh, product innovation and, and a whole host of things that we haven't even really reached yet. So to that point about how do we improve the business case, it feels to me like there's almost short, medium term we can kind of try to quantify. But then the last part, it, we just need to get there in some cases in order to be able to quantify that and change the business case. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And I think as more things go live, then more stories about what else you'll get on the back of it will come out. To invest heavily at the moment is a brave move. But I think as once a few people have done that and we've seen successes, mm. there are going to be a few people who sit there and go, I wish I'd been five years earlier. If you would have told me a year ago that CBDC, central bank digital currency, is as prominent and the drive for it has become much more intense than what it was, I would have said, ah, it's not going to move that fast. That's one piece of the ecosystem that is suddenly moving faster than I think what anybody nearly thought it would. And if you put these pieces together, you don't want to be nowhere 
when this ecosystem starts to build up, because then you have to be there. What we're saying is everyone's trying to put themselves in the starting blocks as fast as they can, whilst the big obstacles to real scale are being resolved. So that basically the minute we reach a point of minimum viable product, that those who are in the starting blocks are able to race out and start realizing the short and medium term benefits, you know, much, much faster than those who aren't. Big players, I would fully, totally agree. Some smaller players have realized benefits already. There are, you know, there are certain enterprises that do make good money by handling cryptocurrencies in a in a regulated way. There it works, but for the big for the big players, I think your summary to me is really accurate. So, assuming that that is the case, and everyone's in the starting blocks and all that kind of thing, in terms of this point of building the ecosystem and, and reaching scale through kind of plurality of adoption, for me, one of the questions is how that reconciles with everyone buying into small startups. Essentially, where does the point of scale come when basically a specific functional area, whether it be collateral management or transacting US dollar equities, really hit scale because of the fact there's enough people buying into it to, to realize significant scale benefits. If you want to ensure that you can, you're ready at the starting line, what you need is two things. One is that you will need to build in those internal capabilities as you go along. And that's not going to happen in a month from now, but you need to start building, building off towards that. One of the parts that came out quite strongly in the survey when they looked at the partner challenges was the governance. Like most of the reasons why ecosystems do not come together or consortiums do not move or move very sluggishly is because they don't end up agreeing on what the governance is. Everyone around the table would want to feel that they are in control of their own destiny and the future of their business. And when you, you agree on a business model, people know what to expect. So essentially, there's a crunch coming in terms of, on the one hand, we need to build scale and we need to be able to work on a common set of assumptions. But as you say, the survey points to the fact that agreeing that common set of assumptions in the business model is extremely challenging because yep. no one wants to lose control. Absolutely. So I guess to tie all that together, I mean, basically, we're saying that, you know, the business case for DLT follows the spectrum of liquidity that we we're talking about in the beginning, where you've got the crypto assets and more illiquid assets, perhaps surprisingly commodities in that bucket, you know, ultimately, people are turning to that with some good degrees of success in order to drive innovation. But at the other end of the scale, in terms of more liquid assets, but that's where we're struggling, probably, and we're more in the starting blocks in terms of realizing efficiencies building the ecosystem, removing the dependencies in amongst a set of organizations who have, you know, very conservative and, and very low risk appetite. And, and as a result, you've kind of, you've got the early wins happening at the top end of the, of the spectrum on the, the more liquid areas. And then you've basically, you've got work in progress in terms of the mass scale adoption of DLT to realize the efficiencies that the big banks and the big organizations want. Yeah, I think that's pretty much on. And so final question, I guess, we've talked about surprises in the survey. Were there any, any big areas that's of a surprise or particular note for each of you that we haven't covered? Perhaps, Colin? Not that we haven't covered. I mean, I, I was pleased that people saw DLT as an opportunity rather than a challenge for their organizations. And I think this fact that 80% of the market wants either a CBDC or an interface with an RTGS to allow them to adopt is actually fascinating. It definitely points to a level of granularity of, of, of experience and focus that, as Urs says, we haven't seen yet. My overall conclusion is that there are two 
angles to DLT, right? I mean, there is the competitive angle you know, where everyone's, in a way, competing for opportunities, uh, revenues and things like that, which makes it very difficult to, to get uh, people to agree on governance and business model and those kind of things. But then there is also an element which I think the market could do better in terms of aligning amongst themselves on common elements, like you mentioned, interoperability. And even within our working group that Urs and I chair uh, in ISA, we see that there are opportunities to, to increase that dialogue. And, and that's something that needs to needs to increase in the market. I saw one surprise in the survey, just based one. on no, a big one, <laughs> or the big, the big, the big one to me, and that was the geographical setup that the Americas came ahead of as far as investment in DLT is concerned. Hmm. I definitely expected Asia to be to be there. I mean, we know from our ESA DLT working group that it's not only North America, but that in South America, there's a lot going on that we just don't hear about it that often. Particularly, it does go against the context of ASX, Hong Kong X, Japan, you know, as being most often held up as being the kind of the ones that everyone's exactly. watching for the experience. Yep. Yep. And then, I mean, the other part that Glenn mentioned, interoperability is the big gray elephant that is that nobody really wants to look at yet mm. and that we have that we have to push. So really what we're saying is there's the part which is basically the quick wins, but the big part, which is the real realization of the efficiencies that everyone wants, is based on us being able to play well in the sandpit together, to be able to realize teamwork, which banks are obviously fantastic at historically, and to be able to actually to, to mobilize you know, as an ecosystem as opposed to individually. So in order to get out of the starting blocks on, on the big stuff, we've still got quite a lot of work ahead of us, albeit you know, clearer to-do list than we've probably ever had. Exactly. Great. Well, look, well, thank you very much, guys, for a fascinating conversation. I think, you know, back to uh, Colin's setting out of the objectives of the report at the beginning, I think there is an awful lot of, first of all, very, very valuable statistical insight here, um, but also the information that you shared really helps to put a, a great deal of colour and experience and context around it. So thank you very much for that. And Barney, can I just say thank you very much to Glenn and Erz for driving this. You know, there's a huge working group behind this. Uh, and if people do want to join ISSA because they like what they're seeing us doing, please feel free to email me directly or, or ping us on the website. And a big thank you to Value Exchange to Barney. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, sis. <laughs>